0: everyone, and thank you for being here for this special live edition of Sorry Not Sorry. Uh, whether you're in our virtual studio audience, uh, watching along on Facebook Live, or listening to our podcast from anywhere in the world, I am so very grateful that you are here with us. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's one thing after another, and today we are going to talk about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is supposed to be above partisan politics, but that has not been the case in the past several years. Recent in-depth reporting by the New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, and the New Yorker confirmed our worst fears about Justice Thomas and his ideologue activist wife, Ginny Thomas, that in the wake of the big lie, the bright red lines that are supposed to protect the impartiality and integrity of the court by placing boundaries between extreme advocacy and cases before the high court have been flouted and perhaps permanently blurred. At the same time, dozens of states have enacted or are trying to enact laws which restrict the right to vote or access to the voting booth for millions, particularly voters of color and others who are traditionally disenfranchised. My friend, Congressman Hank Johnson of Georgia, has been at the center of efforts to correct these problems. He'll chair a hearing on the SCOTUS Ethics Act a critically, critically important piece of legislation. Congressman Johnson will also take some questions from our audience. So that's all you. So to ask a question, please use the Q&A button on your screen. We won't be able to take questions from the chat or from raise hands. So please use that Q&A button. And if you see a question that you like, please feel free to vote it on up. Uh, Congressman, welcome to Sorry Not Sorry.
1: Thank you, Alyssa, for having me and uh, so nice to see you again. The last time I saw you, you were in DC for a hearing before the Judiciary Committee. I forget the uh, it was
0: time. For, it was for the Equal Rights Amendment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, uh, Thank you. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to come and greet you uh, that day because you were in person and I was doing it virtual
0: that's right Uh, that's right but uh, but you asked a really great question you asked about the pay disparity between uh women and men in the entertainment industry and how the equal rights amendment will actually uh help once we get that published in our constitution um and thank you for bringing that up and giving me the opportunity to just say era it's one of my favorite topics Um, And I want to really get into the Supreme Court. But before we do, I, um, I think we need to talk a little bit about voting rights. Uh, This past weekend was the 56th anniversary of the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, and Vice President Harris attended and used the opportunity to relaunch her efforts to protect voting rights. Now, As we know, the Senate killed the John Lewis Voting Rights Act earlier this year. Um, So I have to ask you, is there any hope of protecting voting rights from Republican suppression efforts?
1: Yeah, we will never give up the fight, uh, no matter how bleak things might look, for passing uh, voter protection legislation. Um, Yeah, you know, things look, bleak since uh joe manchin and kirsten cinema have um evidenced their uh love of the filibuster over the voting rights for uh people of color and that's unfortunate but there are other vehicles proceeding through the senate that may enable us to put or, or to uh, attach um voting rights legislation or voting rights measures to uh, and pass uh, this legislation. Uh, specifically, there is a push in the Senate to uh, reform the counting of the votes, uh, the presidential uh, electors, the uh, electoral college. Uh, there is uh, pretty much a agreement, a bipartisan agreement that something needs to be done to prevent what happened uh, in the run-up to uh, the Electoral College count on January 6th to prevent the shenanigans that uh, Donald Trump and his minions planned Mm. with respect to the Electoral College. And so if that legislation makes its way forward, and it's a good chance that it will, then uh, attached to that legislation can be some uh, voter Rights legislation that everyone can agree on. Uh, because after all, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema did say that they were in favor of the uh John Lewis, John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And they did say that they were in favor of some parts of the of HR one. They did say that they were in favor of some of those provisions. And so if we can Move past the filibuster and get uh, some of those items in the bill that every that is bipartisan and everyone is uh, is agreeing to. Then maybe we can get some voting rights legislation passed. But we won't give up, and uh, it's always a chance that uh, those two senators will change their minds and decide that uh, this country needs to do voting rights and we need to get rid of the filibuster so that we can at least get that done.
0: And and in Georgia, you know, obviously that's that's where you're from in one of the states at the center of Trump's big lie. So, I mean, has anything changed for voting rights on the ground in Georgia?
1: Yes, uh, because uh, Senate Bill 22, I believe it was called, uh, but it was the... Uh, granddaddy of voter suppression bills coming out of the big lie as a result of the big lie. And so our our Georgia legislature had just gone into, well, went into session just after January 6th. And so <clears throat> we were the state to come forward with voter suppression legislation um, that other uh, states in the country decided to adopt and extend upon uh, so uh, those measures uh, have gone into effect, and uh, also uh, report, redistricting has happened. Mm. And uh, those districts, we are we are moving from six Democrats and eight Republicans in a fourteen member de- delegation. We're moving to five Democrats and nine Republicans. And this is despite the fact that Georgia picked up about a million new voters, and most of those were uh, people of color, Black, Mm. Asian, and Latino. Um, So, you know, we have uh, voter suppression that has occurred um, with respect to registering to vote, with respect to actually casting your votes, particularly regarding mail-in voting. And then we have some threats to the actual counting of the votes that have been passed uh, uh, under Georgia law, allowing political officials to come in and take over the voting process run by counties. And so they put put in the proce- put into uh, law a process that has now begun uh, in, the most populous, well, one of the most populous counties, but the most democratic county in the state, which is Fulton County, they are already gearing up or have the wheels in motion for state legislators to be able to take over the local Fulton County voting process. And so those things are ongoing. Uh, They are a threat to the ability of people to vote and for those votes that people cast to be counted. And so what we're gonna have to do, Alyssa, to overcome these um, challenges or these obstacles put in our way to vote, we're gonna have to vote in massive numbers to overcome these obstacles. And um, and that's at a time when, um, you know, they want voters to be apathetic. right? They want voters to uh, just throw their hands up and say it's not even worth it. So the misinformation is still being spun, uh, but it's hurting some of their voters also, Alyssa. Uh, Their voters are becoming uh, disenchanted and discouraged and they will be affected by the same suppressive efforts uh, that are going to impact uh, people of color. Uh, Voters of color. And so um, we're just going to have to do a better job than they do in terms of getting out to vote because we have a chance to replace Governor Kemp, our shotgun governor, uh, with uh, Stacey Abrams, who is a face of our future. Yes. And so we've got to come out and do that. We've also got Reverend uh, Raphael Warnock on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Uh, He along with uh, Senator Ossoff, were the senators who shifted the balance of power in the Senate away from Mitch McConnell and to uh, Leader Schumer. And uh, they are gunning for uh, Raphael Warnock this time, running uh, Herschel Walker uh, against him. And uh, so we're going to have to get out, reelect Senator Warnock and uh, elect a new democratic governor to replace our uh, shotgun Governor Kemp. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love Georgia so much. I shot Insatiable there for two years. Um, and, you know, I think it's important when we're talking about voting rights to say what you said, which is we need more people to to get out there and vote. Um, and I think it's Stacey Abrams, who, when she, she ran the first time, said, we need it to be too big to rig.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I think that's really true. And I think what happens sometimes is when we talk about voter suppression, people at home go, you know what? Well, if my vote's not gonna count, why am I gonna make the effort to even go? And that in itself is a form of of voter suppression. So I think it's really important that we say, your vote will be counted and things are happening to make sure of that, but also we need it to be too big to rig. I agree. get right into the Supreme Court because it is, you know, everything is related here. Um, I I recently learned something, Congressman, that I was shocked to find out. Um, Is it true that there is no code of ethics for Supreme Court justices?
1: Yes, it is. It is true. And we've allowed it to happen, We've allowed the uh, United States Supreme Court to build an ivory tower around itself and deposit itself at the very top of the ivory tower, looking out at the rest of us. And uh, we've allowed them to go up there and stay up there and do whatever they want to do. And we can't really see what they're doing. And we expect them to do the right thing. But public reports, published reports uh, of late have proven or demonstrated that uh, they don't always do the right thing. They don't always put uh, this um, uh, notion of impartiality. um, They don't always respect that with with their dealings. And so the U.S. Supreme Court is the only court in the nation that operates without a code of conduct. They have no code of conduct that governs their behavior. And and it's pretty much a, every justice decides what their ethics will be. And uh, they go ahead and do whatever they want to do. And there's no accountability to the people for that. And there's no, no accountability to the legal profession, which sanctions the conduct of lawyers and judges. Uh, there's no accountability that they have to any entity, not even to themselves. So each justice is the law, the judge and jury uh, to themselves. And um, uh, and it's not working out very well uh, for the public at this point because as Jane Mayer has has shown or uh, revealed in her New Yorker exposés on uh, Jenny and Clarence Thomas, she has revealed a a flow of money into the pocketbook of um, Jenny Thomas, and it's uh, it benefits the household. Her and Clarence Thomas have been married for three decades, over three decades. And so they've been doing this for a long time. The more right-wing he gets, the more money she gets Mm. from right-wing interests um, who are paying her to advocate for them. And uh, that advocacy shows up in Justice Thomas's rulings. And so uh, it, it is time now that the Supreme Court be brought under a code of ethics. And I have filed legislation in the House of Representatives. It's being carried in the Senate by uh, Senator Chris Murphy. And uh, if we can pass this legislation and get it signed into law, we can stop this misbehavior that has been exposed uh, by uh, reporters um, uh, throughout the country.
0: So just to reiterate, there is nothing to stop conflicts of interest or other ethical problems from influencing their decisions, correct?
1: That's correct. There's nothing, nothing except for their self-regulation.
0: And are there any current remedies for justices who behave unethically?
1: Well, the only remedy that uh, that Congress would have would be to impeach a justice for misbehavior, but that has never been done in the, uh, well, yeah, one, there's been one case of impeachment, but it ended without conviction. Uh, So there has never been a judge uh, throughout American history who has been impeached, convicted, and removed by Congress from the bench. And uh, never uh, a Supreme Court justice, let me say that, who has been uh, impeached, convicted, and removed uh, by Congress. It's a high burden. You have to have uh, two thirds uh, a vote in the Senate and um, things have gotten so political now that, uh, you know, an impeachment against, let's say, Judge Clarence Thomas for Pretty much selling his office uh, to uh, right wing interests that pay his wife. Um, I mean, we couldn't get a two thirds vote in the in the Senate to uh, impeach him. So you know he's he's there with lifetime tenure, and the other justices are not immune from uh, criticism either, Alyssa. I mean. They go to these Federalist Society um, junkets, get wined and dined, speak, give speeches, and uh, then come back and rule uh, on a issue in accordance with their... Um, uh, their philosophy or their briefs
0: right just so um, people understand at home what the federalist society does is they they start grooming uh young people in law school um of a a a right wing conservative ideology um and they are i don't remember i don't know if anyone remembers um when uh, Trump was in office, and he nominated Kavanaugh, everyone was talking about this list. Well, the Federalist Society actually makes these lists. Um, and, you know, they they put these young people in with uh, conservative judges throughout the, the country, and they groom them to to a right wing ideology. Um, so, so to me and you know i don't know why we're not doing more about the federalist society because i think that they are just as dangerous as the nra
1: there's no question about that they are a well-funded very uh wealthy dark money right dark moneyed. um uh, i pretty much call them a corporation they are a non-profit corporation but their mission is to, as you say, uh, cultivate and groom uh, future judges and justices. And so that dark money that funds their efforts also funds uh, the Republican party and uh, their candidates and Mitch McConnell, uh, they, they are the ones that uh, are anti-consumer, right. they are anti-woman, they are anti-vote, they are anti-LGBTQ. They tee up these cases uh, and bring them before the courts. And they are the ones who select the judges. Right. And Donald Trump outsourced the selection of uh, his Supreme Court justices to the Federalist Society. So whoever they recommended is who he uh, appointed. And that's who was uh uh, confirmed by the Senate, and that's what we have uh, in our Congress, and they're being led by the longest-serving justice on the U.S. Supreme Court, who is our friend uh, Clarence Thomas. And every year, it seems like Claren- Clarence Thomas gets even more right-wing to try to be, out- to try to out um, outdo. Uh, these younger bucks that are coming in hmm. behind them, trying to show them up. And um, and so it has gotten to the point where the court is now controlled by this private corporation, the Federalist Society. It's, it's, it was shaped and made into their image. And now it's ruling against us in all of these ways. It's ruling against women. It's getting ready to curtail, or if not eliminate a woman's right over her own body to choose, uh, you know, when to proceed with a pregnancy. They're passing all kinds of state laws that are going to the Supreme Court now. They're being teed up, and we know which way they're going to rule. Mm-hmm. Voter voter rights is the same thing they decimated uh, Section Five of the Voting Rights Act. This is all to keep. Uh, people of color from voting, they want Republicans to be able to be in control of the levers of power in America, right-wing, conservative, um, anti- or corporate uh, 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 personhood-believing ideologues uh, in both the legislature in the executive branch as president and uh, uh, on the judicial side. And it's, it's, it's something that we're going to have to uh, deal with.
0: And I've got other
1: legislation that would enable us to expand the size of the United States Supreme Court from nine justices to 13 justices. And in that way, uh, we could uh, s- temper the um, the dramatic change that has uh, come to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, It's something we've got to deal with.
0: And what people might not know is that the Constitution does not say anything about the size of the Supreme Court. Um, And this is all white supremacy in disguise as some like Christian bullshit. Uh, I wanna talk to you about your SCOTUS Ethics Act. And I wanna know what changes it would make to the Supreme Court Um, And then we have a question from our audience. Um, Stephen wants to know uh, what some of a uh, SCOTUS code of ethics could help if it would help marginalized communities in America.
1: Well, (laughs) excuse me. Yeah, the Supreme Court Ethics Act would require the Judicial Council, which is a group that um, that regulates the affairs of the judiciary uh, to come up with a code of ethics that would apply not just to the the lower federal court judges, courts of appeals, federal district courts, tax court, all of the other magistrates, all of the other federal judges. It would require that the code be uh, updated so as to apply to uh, justices of the Supreme Court. And so that way, um, justices would not be able to engage in conflicts of interest. Uh, There's some judges now who have been found to have presided over cases in which they or their family members held financial interests in uh, the litigants, for instance, a Mm -hmm. company being sued for uh, discrimination, and you hold stock. Uh, in that company, you're not supposed to, or your wife or child host stock in that company, you're not supposed, you're supposed to recuse yourself. And so to prevent uh, an appearance of impropriety, when you have the, these appearances of impropriety, then it makes litigants feel that they don't really have a, uh, a fair place to bring their disputes, that things are going to go against them and so it destroys the faith and confidence that people have in the judicial system, which is supposed to apply the rule of law. And the rule of law should apply equally to everyone without regard to circumstances, uh, richness, poor, black, white, You know, it, the law is the law. And that's what people expect of our judges and justices. And so a code of ethics would help to enforce of those kinds of things. It would also get at situations where like Jenny Thomas is accepting money from litigants who or, or from uh, interests that may not be litigants, but yet they are filing what's called amicus briefs. They're, they're trying to get the courts to adopt their opinions about issues that appear before the court. And so these amicus briefs can be quite um, influential uh, to the decisions of the justices. And so, you know, a code of ethics would get at uh, the problem of Justice Thomas having this obvious conflict of interest when it comes to uh, people or entities filing these amicus briefs. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that we restore the court to a point where justices are ruling based on the merits as opposed to any other personal uh, factors that, um, that would hurt the litigants who are coming through. Uh, their cases need to be decided honestly and without f- favor to one side or the other based on an interest that one of the justices might have.
0: Congressman, what do you say to people who claim that this is a partisan act designed to undermine Justice Thomas?
1: Well, you know, there are people who will tell you that the hand that you're looking at right in front of you, which is your hand, is not really a hand at all. It's actually your foot. And they will argue that point to you until the cows come home. Mm hmm. And it's up to you to withstand uh, the uh, falsehood that is put in front of you and, and insist on the truth. Uh, fact is, uh, this is not partisan, uh, this this is not a partisan attack on uh, Justice Thomas or any of the other justices. It is uh, just uh, common sense that if you don't have a code of conduct,
0: yeah.
1: then, you know, all, there is no boundaries and people can do whatever they want to do. That's human behavior. We've tolerated it uh, for 250 years in this country. And uh, it's hard to think that we have, but yet that's what we have done. And it's now time to close that loophole for the um, Supreme Court justices and uh, compel them to be covered uh, just like the rest of us, just like every other federal Court judge, they should be treated no differently. They're not above the law; they are products of the law, and they are subject to the law. And uh, but they have not been subject to a code of conduct, and uh, we need to make that happen. Uh, it, it's not politics; it's just common sense.
0: On before uh, another bill that you have on expanding the court, Uh, Cook Connor from Facebook wants to know about term limits um, and other reforms uh, and if they're feasible.
1: Yes, in fact, um, we're in the process of um, looking deeply into this issue of, um, of term limits for justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, it is nothing there's nothing in the Constitution that says that they serve for their lifetimes. The Constitution says that they shall serve during uh good behavior and so uh the 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 issue of how long that good be- behavior lasts is left to the legislative branch and so we uh, can definitely come up with a formula and a format for um, uh, term limits for Supreme Court justices. I think the time for that discussion has come. No longer should a old white guy or an old black guy for that matter, for that instance, uh, be uh, in a position to remain on the court where time has passed you by and uh, you are no longer, um, yeah, you're, you're no longer up to the task of fairly um, doing your job. You become jaded, you become uh, captured, mm-hmm.
0: uh, and, uh, and vulnerable. When we,
1: you to, when we allow you to stay up there until you decide you, you don't, uh, you're finished with it or you actually die. In office, it doesn't do society uh uh any good anymore it, it, time time for term limits is here, I think for justices on the United states supreme Court
0: uh Charlotte wants to know what you think about pete buttigieg's plan buttigij's plan buttigij's plan. <laughs> which would expand the court with each party nominating five justices and those justices selecting more or other efforts to expand the court.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm open to, uh, all proposals. My proposal would, uh, would call for the appointment, uh, or, or, for the increase, uh, of five justices. And, um, those, you know, so we would have, uh, a total of, we would have a total of thirteen, and um, that would uh, that would put us in a position to appoint uh, new justices and uh, bring new blood to the mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. court. But I'd be willing to consider any other um, uh, alternatives. I don't think there are any that have been filed in the House of Representatives at this point.
0: Mm um we have a lot of questions actually about the the midterms and i just want to remind everyone to ask a question please use the q a button on your screen we are not taking questions from the chat or from raised hands um so you know the the midterm elections are coming up and it feels like we are always we're always sort of playing from behind. Uh, you know, it feels like we get so overwhelmed with our general elections that it, we all need a break. And then all of a sudden the midterms are here. Um, and, you know, the, I, I feel like the GOP takes no breaks. They're, they're going full steam ahead all of the time, Republicans, conservatives. Um, you know, many people are saying that it doesn't look great for Democrats. So, you know, uh, what's at stake in these elections? Um, Why is it so important for the Democrats to turn out? Um, And then uh, John actually wants to know about your position on the law in Georgia that prohibits giving water to people in line at the polls. I mean, are we kidding at this point with this?
1: I mean, our legislators came up with this fiendish idea to to really uh, torture voters standing in line in the hot Georgia summer uh, in the heat uh, at a precinct where there are not enough voting machines or at a precinct that's been consolidated with two or three other precincts. And so you have so many voters going to one precinct. The lines are long. And uh, in its infinite wisdom, the Georgia legislature passed a law and Governor, shotgun Governor Kemp signed it into law that would ban the provision of food and water uh, by anybody other than a poll worker uh, to people standing in line waiting to vote. And so trying to make it difficult to vote in person while they're also putting up other barriers to make it difficult for you to vote by mail, and so it's just a naked uh, attempt to suppress votes. That's what it is. Uh, I I uh, condemn uh, those actions, those that legislation, and uh, but it is the law at this time it has not been overturned by the courts. They are the courts. The, these are measures that have been challenged in court and of course we're dealing with a situation where our courts have been captured at the very top and Donald Trump appointed a lot of um, right-wing ideologues to the federal trial court bench and to the uh, court of appeals throughout the country the courts of appeals throughout the country but fortunately Joe Biden has has been uh, single-mindedly pushing through nominations to the court on both district court and court of appeals levels and uh, things are evening up. And so we've got a lot of these voting rights cases that are coming through the the courts right now. The ultimate outcome remains to be seen. I'm always one that keeps a um, optimistic view Some justices that are appointed, like Justice Souter, he was appointed by a uh, Republican president because he was a conservative, but he turned out to to be uh, more of a moderate. And so these things can happen uh, to judges uh, as they move forward. And so I don't count anybody out. I don't give up on anybody or any. Thing happening, uh, so good things can come out of bad things. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, we we have a lot of obstacles out here uh, in, in terms of uh, voter suppression. And I've and tell me, I, I've I've left out uh, an a response to. Uh, I haven't answered your full question yet, Alyssa.
0: Well, j- just what's at stake?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, the courts is one thing that's at stake because United States senators confirm uh, federal court judges to the bench. And so if if all of your, if your legislature, if your Senate is controlled by Mitch McConnell, then you get Trump judges and justices. Uh, Although Justice Roberts says that there are no Obama judges, there are no Trump judges, they're just judges, but Mm -hmm. that's, I wish that that were true, Mm -hmm. but that's not uh, the case, unfortunately, and we're trying to bring it back to that. So courts is one thing, legislation uh, that uh, uh, impinges on a woman's right to uh, over her own body, the rights of uh, LGBTQ people, Uh, I mean, right now we've got folks passing bathroom bills and they're passing legislation that prohibits the um, uh, trans uh, youth from playing in sports. They are um, even banning books. And pretty soon, Alyssa, you know, they'll be banning films. And uh, if we let this continue. And so there's a lot at stake. Our economic Uh, our our ability to be equal um, uh, uh, participants participants. in our our, uh, economy, whether or not we're going to have everything shifted to uh, benefit corporations and wealthy individuals as opposed to working men and women and uh, people who are aspiring to get into the middle class. All of the rules, the laws uh, are set by the legislative branch. And carried out by the executives, the governors, the president, uh, the county chair, the mayor. All of those races are so important. The county commission, the city council, the United States Congress, House and Senate, the uh, state, secretaries, Senate, the secretaries state, of state, of state that does the uh, that uh, presides over the voting apparatus. Uh, everything is so important. We need to vote every time and be uh, cognizable, cognizant of who we are voting for, knowing who votes or who acts against our interests. Mm-hmm. And as a good rule of thumb these days, you can bet that if you vote Republican, you're voting for right-wing judges and, uh, and for corporate interests. And for interests that want to do away with uh, uh, people's ability to control their own bodies. Um, and um, you're voting for those interests. And if you vote Democratic, you're voting for folks who are looking out for your personal liberty and also your economic well being. Uh, working people do better when Democrats are in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Republicans are in office, the wealthy and big business do better. That's how they got a $5.8 trillion tax cut back in 2017, 83 percent of which went to the top 1 percent. And by contrast, they Republicans vote against the uh, infrastructure bill, $1.1 trillion dollars. They voted against the American Rescue Plan, $1.9 trillion. Those things have helped the American people through uh, the uh, pandemic. And it's helping to uh, create good-paying jobs for people. Uh, But Republicans vote against that, and they would not hesitate to take away more taxes uh, or, or cut taxes for the wealthy. They wouldn't hesitate to do that again. Their goal is to have a, a small federal government that does not watch out for uh, the people.
0: Well, I mean, I always say nothing says says big government like, you know, the government telling you what you can and can't do with your uterus. Um, several, I want to just switch back to the Supreme Court Uh, Again, uh, several people are asking what the practical effects of a Supreme Court Ethics Act on a court which is already problematic. What would happen to justices if found to have violated their ethical responsibilities?
1: Well, that's why we need to pass uh, another piece of legislation, the 21st Century Courts Act that would uh, have, which is another piece of legislation I introduced in the uh, 116th Congress. I'll be reintroducing it in this Congress very shortly, and it would provide a mechanism whereby these, uh, or in other words, justices would be covered by the same process that uh, lower court judges are subjected to, and they can actually be uh they can actually be um, disciplined uh, and um, uh, and ultimately that can be grounds for removal from, from office. Uh, So it's important that we pass uh, these pieces of legislation. They all fit together. Um, And, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's something that needs to be done. It's a, been a long time coming. A number of pieces need to be put into place in order to make it happen and um, to, to make it tight uh, so that you do have some accountability for mm-hmm. these judges. And we respect the fact that they are a co-equal branch of government, but the framers of the constitution did leave it up to Congress to build the federal court system, to, uh, to uh, establish judgeships and justices. After all, uh, the constitution only talks about there shall be a uh, chief justice. And it doesn't talk about there shall be justices, associate justices or whatever you wanna call them. Uh, it establishes the office of the Supreme Court under a chief justice and then it leaves it up to Congress to put the flesh and bones on the judiciary, which is a co-equal branch of government, but it would not be able to function without congressional authorization and legislation that authorizes their activities and funding. So they are uh, an animal of the uh, legislative branch, but they are a co-equal branch of government. And so this delicate balance of power mm-hmm. uh, is something that the framers wanted to have kind of like a check and balance on. Mm-hmm. Each branch has a check and a balance on the other. And it's a delicate um, dance. And it's worked well for this 244 years uh, since the Constitution was um. Uh, ratified, uh, it's worked well, but it needs to be tweaked now, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, this is so that we can preserve the integrity of the court, uh, not try to control it. But we do see that uh, you know the, the ivory tower that we've allowed them to build for themselves is just—it will crumble under its own weight unless Congress does something. And so that's what we're trying to do.
0: And what can people listening do right now to help get these bills passed?
1: Well, you can definitely call your, um, your representatives and senators and tell them to, you can call them, you can email them, you can uh, go to their virtual town hall meetings and ask questions like you're doing so right now. You can go to their in-person uh, town hall meetings and ask questions and you can send emails and you can send snail mail, but somehow, uh, get the word to your senators and to your Congress people, to your house members, um, uh, about this bill and ask them to, uh, sign on as co-sponsors. We currently have 38 co-sponsors in the house of representatives and, um, You know, but the bill is a little more popular than that would uh, indicate.
0: You know, I can't thank you enough for this insight tonight. And I like to close each of my interviews with this question. Um, So, Congressman Johnson, what gives you hope?
1: The courage to uh, see things um, be better. I think when you lose hope, you've lost courage to to live another moment. I mean, you know, we don't know what the next moment holds. And so if we keep walking through the darkness, you know, it it can be frightening. But yet I've found, and I know your, your viewers know it's true also, that uh, darkness always turns to light, uh, dark, uh, nighttime always turns to day, winter always turns to spring. And so we have to keep walking, keep moving forward uh, for a better future, not just for ourselves, Alyssa, but for our children and for yes. their children and uh, and for generations to come. That's why it's so important. our We haven't said anything about climate in this uh, conversation, but that's something that is uh, impacting uh, us all and um, our legislators. Uh, and our executives uh, have a lot to do with our policies, with, with uh, climate policies, and we need to make some changes so that we can save this planet. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and so um, I have uh, abundant hope uh, that um, we, there's so many great people who are just needing a chance to uh, show their greatness in whatever they do. Uh, there some great, we have some great young um, statesmen and women coming up through the ranks in Congress. Uh, they, they are unafraid and they have a vision about the future and the future is in these young people. And so I'm preparing the way um, and I, I, I just have so much hope about the future. But I'll tell you, it takes courage to keep walking in the dark.
0: Well, Congressman Johnson, you give me hope. Thank you for all you do and for being a part of the podcast. So this country is facing so many issues of critical importance, from voting rights to abortion, from the rights of LGBTQ plus kids to just exist, to the very future of our democracy. The Supreme Court is right at the heart of every single one of these issues? If there is no ethical oversight, if there is nothing governing them, how can we have any confidence in their ability to rule without outside influence or corruption? If there's nothing to stop them but themselves, how can we trust their rulings? This is an issue which lies at the very heart of our democracy. So please, please take this opportunity to demand your elected representatives put safeguards on the soul of our nation. It is not, it is not partisan. It is patriotic. And I know that all of you who have joined us, all of you who are listening, you are all patriots. And thank you so much for joining us tonight, and especially to Congressman Johnson for the work that he is doing, for being with us, for always uh, being a beacon in really dark times. When you feel the darkness, think about this man who goes to work every day to ensure that our lives are better. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our producer is Ben Jackson, audio editing and engineering by Maciej Lewandowski and music by Josh Cook, Alicia Eagle and Milo Bugliari. Don't forget to rate, review and spread the word. Sorry, not sorry.